powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leader's podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. And thank you, big-voiced announcer man. Welcome to another edition of Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, along with my faithful sidekick, Producer Bill. Hello. So here we are with another edition of Better Than Before, the Clear Vision Business and Leadership Podcast. You'd like to know when the latest one comes out. All you have to do is hit the subscribe button, and then uh, you will be notified every time we put out a new episode on Tuesdays. And of course, also, we would like for you, if you like our podcast and you like what we do, to reward us with a five-star review. That would be a good way to tip us, for lack of a better term. And we want at least 55 stars reviews from you by the end of the year. And uh, that's just a goal that we've set for ourselves. Also, coming up in November... Our three-day exponential leadership retreat is taking place November 14th, 15th, and 16th. And right now, you can take advantage of the special early bird pricing to spend the most in-depth three days you've ever spent working on yourself and increasing your leadership capacity to produce bigger, better, more effective, and efficient outcomes on whatever it is that you do in your career. And I always limit this to 10 seats in the session. Individual work and attention is a lot of feedback we've gotten from people about what they like. So I'd like to keep the class fairly small. I teach classes anywhere from 35 to 300 in a lot of different settings. But in these that we do, I like to keep them around 10 and keep the class small so we can make sure to provide that individual attention and coaching that people seem to enjoy so much. If you go to our website, you can sign up for this uh, leadership retreat on November 14, 15, 16. And while you're there, if you just want to hear from other people about the experiences they've had with us, we have a new video that's right there on the Exponential Leadership sign-up page. And if you'll push play on that video, you'll hear some of the stories that are being told by people who have been in our workshops. And uh, surely... To goodness, that will convince you that you need to come here and spend three days with me. Not saying it won't be painful at times. Anytime you look at yourself and in ways to do better, there's going to be a certain amount of pain. But you can trust me. Come on, spend three days with me. I, I think you're going to enjoy it, and I think you're going to get a lot of value out of it. So what's going on uh, in the world, Bill? I got three or four things here. Number one. Technology could shatter previous IPO records. So initial public offerings could be a record-breaking year for them in 2019. It could be over 2000, the year 2000, which was the high water mark uh, back when the dot-com boom was happening, when tech companies raced to cash in on all their big valuations. So a couple of them are Uber. We've talked about that on previous episodes. It could be as much as $120 billion if it raises the typical amount for a company their size. Wow. And their part of it, their IPO proceeds could hit $25 billion. 
that would make the ride-sharing service the biggest company to debut since Alibaba in 2014. Palantir is a data mining specialist co-founded by uh, Peter Thiel. That may debut next year or possibly in 2020 at a valuation that could reach $41 billion. Wow. Lyft, which is the other ride-sharing service, is considering a listing that could value Uber's principal U.S. rival, Lyft, at more than $15 billion. Other big tech startups uh, in the 2019 IPO pipeline include workplace messaging platform Slack Technologies, as well as a raft of smaller but closely watched companies, including food delivery service Postmates, security firms CrowdStrike and Cloudfare, and video conferencing software provider Zoom. Hmm. So you were just Zooming this morning, weren't yes, you? Yes, I was. Other large private companies that haven't decided on IPO timing but could potentially debut next year include Airbnb, Pinterest, along with a number of Chinese technical heavyweights like ride-hailing company DD Shuxing Technology and Ant Financial Services Group, which is a subsidiary or an affiliate of Alibaba. All this is a drastic change for companies that for years relied on ample supplies of cash from private sources and chose to build their businesses away from the prying eye of public investors and analysts. It does change your company quite a bit when you go public. The other thing that's interesting about Uber going at 120 million valuation or 120 billion, I'm sorry, billion <laughs> is that that's bigger than GM, Ford and Chrysler all together. No kidding. Mm -hmm. Wow. So do you think you'll invest in any of these companies? I like Uber. Mm -hmm. I think it's a cool service. I don't know what it is about it, though, that seems flimsy. I guess because they don't really own that many hard assets. You know, it's, mm -hmm. they don't own their own cars. They don't really employ the drivers. Right. I love getting into a city and getting off the plane and somebody coming and picking me up in a nice vehicle that has a bottle of water in it and they take me where I want to go. I mean, I just, I, I love the service. Mm -hmm. So where do you think the growth is in that company? New markets, I guess. I mean... We have Uber here in Columbia, but I'm sure there are a lot of markets that don't. Another thing that's going on with Uber, though, is they're developing a new short-term staffing business called UberWorks that will help to diversify its business ahead of next year's planned initial public offering. Uber plans to apply its on-demand model and large database of contractors to provide a temp workforce for events and corporate functions such as waiters and security guards. Well, you just answered the growth question. There you go. Yeah. The project has been in development in Chicago for several months following an earlier trial in L.A. UberWorks could help to persuade potential investors in next year's IPO that Uber is more than just a transportation service, instead pitching it as a broader platform for all kinds of flexible work and on-demand services. So switching gears here just a little bit, staying in technology, but switching gears. I mean, hacking has been a big deal over the last couple of years. Right. And so in the Wall Street Journal this week, they had an infographic and a story how do hackers get in? And they took it on down to your house. They can get in through your satellite dish. They can get in through your home alarm system. They can get in through your DVR. 
They can get in through, of course, your computer in your network in your house. But they can get in through your phone system. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of different ways for these hackers to access besides just what you think of as a traditional computer. And what makes this interesting is as we go more smart home, the more smart home devices you have, the more you have to make sure they're locked down. Because the smart home device is a way for a hacker to get into your system. So it's a gateway. Yeah. I mean, I am this close, Bill, of buying an Echo. Oh, wow. But I went on YouTube. Everything that you want to find out video-wise is on YouTube, right? So I went on YouTube, and I'm like, how do you hook up an Echo? And I watched the video, and I'm just like, okay, that's, I can do that. Then I'm like, okay, so how do you make it turn lights and stuff on and off in your house? Well, you buy a smart plug. So you buy this little plug that plugs into your outlet. Uh And the echo talks to the plug and you leave your light on and the plug turns it on and off. So you can say, Alexa, turn on my reading light. Uh huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm, I'm really worried that not too long in the distant future, I'm going to come in and I'm going to say to you, (laughs) I turned on my reading light last night with Alexa. (laughs) Is there any real ROI or utility to it? No, it's just kind of fun right? to say, Alexa, what's the weather going to be today? Yeah, and I'm guessing you could probably put a timer on onto your lights that way too. Yeah. Can Alexa take my dogs out too? <laughs> I don't think so. But I'm, I'm very educated now on the Echo, on the Dot, and the Tap, the three kinds. And which one are you leaning towards? Well, I, I'll get an Echo to begin. Okay. But if I want to extend, I might get a Dot or a Tap. Because that way I don't have to take the echo. Like if I go on vacation or whatever, I just take the tap. Or if I want to bring it to work, I just bring the tap. Set it on my desk and talk to it. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. It's like a foreign language. And there's all kinds of other things you can get it to do too. But I have not watched those videos. or I just watched the turn on the lamp one and how to hook up the echo. I mean, it makes sense. I'm an Amazon Prime member. Yeah, you're a tech guy too. I read a lot on the Kindle. I listen to a whole lot of podcasts, so it just seems like, Alexa, play the Harvard Business Review Big Idea podcast. I mean, I don't want to seem weird, but I'm thinking about doing it. Sure. So the Red Sox are in the World Series for the first time in five years. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, it was 100 years there for a while <laughs> until they beat St. Louis. I was at the game in 2004 oh. in Bush Stadium, the old Bush Two. Mm -hmm. Uh, when they clinched it but they're in there for the first time in five years they won their pennant this past week defeating the defending world champion houston astros four to one in game five the red sox won 115 games this year wow the yankees won over 100 games and the astros won 103 games wow the red sox will be in the 114th world series tonight okay i mentioned tipping earlier and how you can tip us by doing a five-star review. Are you going to tip somebody 20% for bringing you a muffin? Good question. The awkward etiquette of iPad tipping is what I want to talk about here. So countertop payment tablets. So 
you feel kind of guilty, right? Because it's sitting right there mm-hmm. and you're going to pay on it. And especially if the server is teaching you how to do it, right? <laughs> right. Because you're, they're sitting there while you select, you know, what the tip's going to be. What I was just thinking about is like, so you go to a coffee shop, you get a muffin and a cup of coffee and they bring it to you. Do you tip 20% on that? So then they bring you the little iPad and it's like automatic, like it, the lowest is 20%. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to seem cheap, but it seems a little excessive to well, me. Sometimes you got to make that decision on the fly. I mean, right there in front of them mm-hmm. when they hand it to you or when they're teaching you how to do it. I mean, we've had tip jars forever, but those are going away. Now it's mostly electronic. Yeah, I guess if, if you pay at the counter, then then... Obviously, you don't have to worry about it. I mean, I've seen the embarrassing person throw coins in the tip jar. (laughs) You know, it's up on the counter by the register where the person is taking your check, you know, and they throw in a couple of quarter, ting, 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 and I'm like, cheap ass, you know. (laughs) But but I don't know what they had either. I mean, so it goes back to my original question. You get a $5 muffin and a $3.50 coffee. Yeah, I'm leaning towards probably paying the tip. So if they're using Square, their default tip options for transactions under $10, mm-hmm. you can choose no tip, $1, $2, or $3. For purchases over $10, the defaults are no tip, 15 20 or 25%. If it's under $10, your options are no tip, $1, $2, or $3. If that's under $10, $3 seems... That's a pretty decent tip. Yeah, that's yeah. The proprietor of the store can decide whether to turn on the tip prompt and they can customize suggested amounts. They also Square has this dual screen register so it's not going back and forth between, you know, which might even be worse because now you and the server can see. Oh. So there's a screen on their side and a screen on your side and you're both looking at it. Wow. You're putting in the tip amount. It's sort of the language of, I think you're worth this, right? (laughs) Right. All of our old standards are having to change. Okay, so the original Big Bird has retired. I didn't realize the original was still going. Yes. 84 years old. The original Big Bird, Carol Spinney, leaves Sesame Street after nearly 50 years. The remarkable run as Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch. Two of the most beloved characters on television will end this past week. Spinney, who is 84, has traveled to the studios in Astoria, Queens, where Sesame Street is put together and is going to record some voices for his colorful alter egos. And after that, he will retire from the program and his roles will be passed on to new performers. But it sounds like they're going to use some of his old voiceovers. Wow. He has appeared in thousands of more than 4,400 episodes. In recent years, Big Bird Spinney says the physical requirements of performing the characters has become difficult for him and he has developed problems with his balance. He stopped doing the puppeteering for Big Bird in 2015 and has since been providing only the voices for him and Oscar. Ah. It's the end of Big Bird as we know it. It'll be somebody different starting this week on Sesame Street. Hmm. I was never a big Sesame Street as a kid. Really? Uh Uh-uh. I like Sesame Street. Okay. 
4,400 episodes, somebody's watching, right? Well, I should preface that. I liked Sesame Street. I don't watch it anymore. There must be a lot of people that love it because it's been going. Yeah. We're going to talk about websites today, and Brant Kelsey is standing by on the line. And uh, so if you're a business person and you're thinking about your website or thinking about building a website or thinking about what you need to be thinking about as far as your website, Brant's going to help us with those questions coming up in just a second. We're sponsored by University Subaru here at Better Than Before. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, we love them. You're truly locally owned dealer. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. We know how important it is to give back because we grew up here and we raised our family here. This is our home. Which means we care for customers like we care for the community. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, and we will always be here for you. Are you ready to up your game? Attend the Exponential Leadership Retreat from November 14th through 16th. In these three days, you'll receive personalized leadership coaching in a small group setting led by Tony Richards. Learn to communicate like a leader, understand your motivators, and differentiate yourself from your peers. As a business coach and consultant, I work with leaders every day to help them up their game and lead their team to victory. During this leadership development experience, you will receive the tools you need to unlock your potential. Invest in yourself and gain the same access to Tony that his C-level clients receive. Register for the Exponential Leadership Retreat online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Better Than Before. Tony Richards here, and my special guest today is Brant Kelsey, just outside of Hotlanta in Columbus, Georgia. He's the founder of Kelsey Advertising and Design. He's a certified brand strategist, obsessed with helping businesses connect with customers through brand innovation and marketing. He's got a team of creative professionals that reflect his personal passion for conquering new ground in the marketing world, and with the vision and ingenuity of an entrepreneur, and the creativity and technical prowess of a digital strategist. He helps clients realize the powerful potential of integrating digital marketing and emerging technologies with traditional marketing tactics. And I want to talk to him about websites today. Brant, my boy, how are you? I'm doing great, Tony. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. You bet, man. Now, you live in Columbus or LaGrange? Which one? I live in LaGrange. It's just north of Columbus. Okay, awesome. But it's in Georgia. I know that. Yes, you got the state right, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as long as I'm in the state. So I want to talk to you about websites today. So if you wanted to rebuild your website or or maybe uh, improve the one you have for a business today, where's the typical starting point for somebody? Well, first off, every business owner needs to understand how the website fits into their overall business strategy. Is it going to support with sales? Is it going to support with education? What is the overall goal of the website? And you really need to know that gone are the days where people just put up a website and kind of forget about it. You've really got to hone in on your message and make it work really well. You know, Google's people's best friend. They can go online and find out information about just about anything. And so your website needs to really answer a question or be the go-to resource for whatever it is you sell. 
and knowing what your business strategy is, you know, if you're generating leads or you're selling widgets or whatever it is, you need to really understand how your website is going to help you attain those goals. You know, one of the things I've heard you say before in our conversations is that website is the center of your universe and you need to build around it, right? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, everything that you do and everything that your competitors are doing reference back to their website and your website. So whether you're handing out business cards at a chamber event or you're running ads on television or on radio, everybody's advertising materials send people back to the website. It's the one piece of marketing. It's the one employee that's always working 24 hours a day. Again, your website supports that business strategy, just like your employee would or any of the communications or advertising that you put into the marketplace. Now, one of the things I've learned from you, and I think this is really intriguing, I want you to talk about it, is if you're going to build a really effective website, you never start with design. What, what do you mean by that? Again, going back to supporting the business strategy, it really doesn't, and I'm going to offend a lot of people when I say this, but it really doesn't matter what it looks like, okay? Because if people don't find you or you're not saying the right things to them or the right information is not on the website, they're just going to leave. They're, they're not going to hang around and try and figure out what you're fumbling around trying to tell them. What I do is I really try to get clients to worry about design last, colors and logos and all that stuff last, and just really concentrate on what is it we're trying to communicate and how is that going to get the customer to pick up the phone, email us, or give us money? Yeah. So even if you're building it for not necessarily e-commerce, but you are building it with your brand in mind, it's the same principle, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the psychology for services versus products is different but it's still the same in the fact that you need to get people where they want to be quickly, get them educated, get them up to speed, them feeling comfortable about your brand and that you know what you're talking about and that you're dependable and trustworthy, and then asking them for the sale. So people fall into the trap of design, like over-design or are too concerned about design. What are some of the other traps and pitfalls that people fall into? Well, there's a lot of business owners that get hung up on the way something is said. In our businesses day to day, we have a lot of industry speak. Your customers don't always know exactly what you're trying to say, okay? In our world, we say brand development. Right. Well, to someone else, brand development may be, that may mean logo design in their head, but that's not exactly what we're talking about. So you need to be able to step back as a business owner, as a marketing person, and say, what are the phrases and terms that layman people are using that are searching for my service or product, and integrate that into your website. It may not be perfect, it may make you cringe when you hear it said, but it's really what the general public knows it as and searches. So when you're talking to a customer about taking their customer down the pathway they want them to go on like so the sales process does that typically put your client in a lot of pain to think that out <laughs> sometimes yeah some owners it's a sacred cow and they just can't get over the fact that you're saying this wrong or this isn't exactly right so much of what goes on online is done by search you have google you have bing you have youtube 
now you're getting into things like voice search on devices like Alexa and Google devices and the such. You know, people just ask them in everyday language what they're looking for. Sometimes as business owners, we get hung up on trying to sound important or trying to sound like a true expert. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just need to dumb it down so we can get those people into our reach. Right. So the value is really created in the one-on-one, right? That's right. So we need to just make sure we use some pretty common language in order to get the customer down the path to having that conversation with us. Then we can show off all we want, right? That's right. Once we get them into our ecosystem, whether it's on our website or talking to a salesperson or somewhere within our reach, then we can start educating them and say, hey, this is what it's really called and this is what it really means. So what are some of the things that are going on as far as where websites are going? Well, (laughs) websites and websites design, I mean, I tell people it's just like fashion. There are seasons to it. Trends come and go. There are some core things that really stand the test of time and that you want to really concentrate on when you're designing your site. Give us just one of those. Uh, Well, most importantly right now is speed. You know, back in the day when we just had 3G and, you know, people had flip phones and were surfing the internet back in the Wild West days, speed was an issue because of the size of things that were coming through the pipe. So it would take your website a long time to load. It would. Yeah, it would take 30 seconds for a website to come up on a mobile phone back in the day. Now it's shifted to where people are so impatient that speed means something completely different. Now we have super fast wireless connections. There's virtually zero weight and people are very impatient now. So you really have to tailor your site to appeal to those kind of people. Maybe they just are looking for a phone number and address and they just need it right then and there. I want to ask you about this because Bill and I were talking about this earlier. Once I find a website that kind of meets my needs for whatever utility it is that I'm going to use it for, I don't do a lot of searching around on the internet. Is that common or uncommon? I find myself doing that a lot as well. I mean, just like with brands that you trust, I mean, you probably buy the same kind of soap and you buy the same kind of cereal and all that stuff. You just trust those sites and those brands and it's easy to use. Search is very important, and that's something that every business owner should be concerned about and working on on a daily basis. So that whole SEO, that's still going to be even more important, right? Oh, yeah. It's it's gotten a lot more sophisticated in recent years. Back in the day, you could just stuff your web page with a bunch of keywords, and you would rank. Well, Google caught on to that, and... Now their systems are so smart that they look at synonyms and other phrases so they can look at a whole web page or a whole site and know the general topic of that website and just kind of auto rank it. The game is completely different than it was and it's just evolving every day. What's the best way for me to know if my website's working for me? SEO is important and I know that I need to either learn how to do that or have somebody do that for me. The way you just described it, it sounds like somebody's got to really be paying attention to it, putting some time into it. So how do I know as a business owner whether it's working or not? There's tons of tools out there that you can connect your website to measure just about everything. But really, there's three basic tools that you should really be familiar with. One is Google Analytics. That's going to tell you how many people hit what pages, how long they were on it, et cetera, et cetera. So That's kind of great basic information. 
Then there's another tool called Google Search Console. And what it does is it shows you what people searched for in Google that your website popped up. They may have searched for brown shoes and you didn't even know that you were ranking for brown shoes, but you're ranking for it and it shows you that you showed up for that, that search term. So that's very useful. And then the last one, it's an advertising tool, but you can learn a lot of great things from it. It's called Google Keyword Planner. And you can type in your website or your competitors' websites or some industry websites, and you can really get a feel for what Google sees are the keywords for those sites. And you can start to learn what the industry and your competitors and you are presenting yourself. And you can steal some keyword ideas or maybe glean some insights that you may not have had before. Let's shift here to content marketing and blogging and video and social media. How do you integrate all that stuff uh, to make your website kind of more effective? You've got to be creating a wealth of information. Google not only wants to see good content, they want to see that you're a resource and that you know what you're talking about. And resources and people who know what they talk about, talk about it a lot. And so you need to demonstrate that online as well. And I'm not just talking about your website, but like your social media accounts, or if you do guest blogging for other people, you just need to get your expertise out there. You know, some companies monetize their content, most do not. So you really need to think about content and social media and things of that nature. And this is my personal philosophy. I think of it as advertising. Okay. So it's more like a commercial for your website. It's not necessarily the centerpiece. A lot of people will be surprised to find out that most of their traffic is not coming in through the homepage. It's coming in through a page that may be two or three levels deep on their website. And that's because those pages are usually more specific and tailored to a certain subject. And so Google ranks those more highly. So as you write blog posts and create content on your website, those pages get spidered and they attract more and more people to your website. So I want a little uh, consumer warning uh, question here for you because probably every week, I mean, I'm approached all the time by these people who work for companies who can tell me they can get my site ranked number one and they can help my SEO. And I scored 57 out of 100 on some tests they ran. So what's the story here? Is this legit and real or not? Yeah, I would, uh, <laughs> I might steer clear of those. Um, really two types of SEO out there is black hat and white hat. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those types of people run in the black hat or gray hat circles. You know, I tell most of my clients, slow and steady wins a race. Just create a little bit of content every day as you go. If it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. That's true. Yeah. Google's caught on to all that stuff, and they're constantly changing their algorithm to block those kinds of people. So slow and steady, make content, quality content every day, and you'll get to where you need to be. Okay, sounds good. Well, listen, Brian, I could talk to you all day about this stuff, and I hope you'll come back sometime and from time to time, update us on what's going on in the world of technology and websites and how all this can work together to enhance and increase people's website effectiveness for their business. I got a standard list of closing questions. I'm going to shoot at you in rapid fire succession. Uh -oh. There's only like 12 questions in a row, and I don't think there'll be anything too hard here, okay? Okay. 
All right. So first question, what's the best memory that immediately comes to mind for Brant? Ooh. Uh, travel. I love, I love to travel. Great. What's the most beautiful place you've ever been to? Austria. Who's the number one hero in your life? Mm, probably my wife. What's the top value you subscribe to? Uh, probably golden rule. Who's the most important person in your life? My wife and daughter, for sure. Yeah, what are their names? I'm married to Meg, and Ruthie's my daughter. She's a senior this year. Oh, right on. What's your favorite thing in the whole world? Uh, I'm pretty in love with my Jeep right now. I can. <laughs> I love playing with that thing. All right, man. What's your favorite food? Mexican. How do you want to be remembered? I just want to be remembered as helpful. I, I love you know helping people every day, and I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. All right, great. Advice for a younger Brant? Stay hungry. <laughs> What's your favorite sound? Probably the Sunday night football intro music. <laughs> and the best lesson you've learned? Procrastination kills, for sure. Yep. Perfect. We've used uh, Brant and his company to build our clearvisiondevelopment.com website. We love working with them. Brant, tell everybody how to find you on the internet. Uh, you can hit us on our website, KelseyAds.com. Um, we're on Twitter, KelseyAds, and we also have a Facebook page. So reach out to us anytime if we can help, and would love to talk to anybody. Sure, and you work with people all over, right? Yeah, we have clients all across the country and a few over in Europe. We uh, welcome working with just about anybody. All right. Brant Kelsey with Kelsey Advertising and Design in uh, Columbus and LaGrange and Atlanta and all over Georgia and all over the United States. Brant, thanks for being on today, my man. <laughs> you bet. Thank you so much, Tony. We'll talk to you soon. Really enjoyed talking to Brant Kelsey of Kelsey Advertising and Design with some tips on websites. I learned some stuff. I'm sure you did too. I'm going to have your leadership and business lesson coming up right now next on Better Than Before. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. We know how important it is to give back because we grew up here and we raised our family here. This is our home. Which means we care for customers like we care for the community. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here. Been here. And we will always be here for you. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Better Than Before. Tony Richards here. In today's coaching and leadership business lesson, I'm going to talk about taking time for yourself. I think most often in the uh, college professor type profession, but, but other professionals too, have found it very helpful to take sabbaticals. 
Now, you and I probably can't take six months to a year off from what we're doing, but I have found it helpful when I coach in clients. Sometimes I will encourage them to find an hour a week or maybe an hour a day. Or some of my real assertive clients, they've found a way to take one day a month or one day a week completely off. I try to get them to think about it in terms of what if you had the perfect life? How much time do you think you would like to have in your perfect life of not working? If you're reasonable and not just outraged, say, well, I would never work again. I think you'd find, and we learned this in last week's episode of hedonic adaptation. I think you would find that you would adapt to those circumstances very quickly. Before you knew it, you'd be bored. So think in terms of how would I be able to generate an hour for myself? The key is just to get started and find some time for you. One of the things that I like to ponder and I may ask my clients from time to time is think about the things that you do every week and why are you doing some of the things that you're doing? Because we need to be diligent about sorting through things with the intent of only keeping those things around for that future life we envision. As we go toward the future life we want, some things aren't going to make the journey with us. We're going to drop some of those things along the way. You know, when we started doing our profession, our reasons for doing the things we were doing when we started were probably different than they are today. And so the context for choices and activities is so vitally important to think about because if you're not careful, you may be going through some robotic habitual motions with some things that you really don't have to do anymore. You just do them because you've always done them. You know, there's a story that I like to tell about the young girl who has been married for a short time and she's making a holiday dinner and she's going to put a pan in the oven and she cuts off both ends of the ham and she puts it in the pan and she puts it in the oven and her mother's over and she asks her mother, mom, I cut off both of the ham just like you did when I was growing up. By the way, why do we cut off both ends of the ham? And the mom goes, you know, I really don't know. I'll have to ask your grandmother because when I was growing up and she was doing the holiday cooking, she cut off both ends of the ham. And so she goes and she asks her mother, why do we cut off both ends of the ham? And she says, you know, I'm not really sure. We'll have to ask my mom, your great-grandmother, why we cut off both ends of the ham. So she goes to her mother, the great-grandmother, and she says, why do we cut off both ends of the ham, mom? And she goes, oh, honey, back then my pan was too small. And so since then, we've gotten bigger pans, but we still cut off both ends of the ham. Why? Because it's something we've always done. But the context around it changed. We didn't change with it. So what are you doing to still cut off both ends of the ham? You know, things that you're doing that you don't have to do anymore. You're just doing them out of obligation and habit. The object of what I'm talking to you about today is you got to take some time for yourself. And all of our time is a zero-sum game. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. 
We all need the same approximate amount of sleep. We all need to work. We all have the same amount of total time. So you have to slice that time up a little bit differently if you want to carve out some time for yourself. First of all, I would say you need a place to go. Be by yourself to just be able to sit and be and think. Now, that could be a walk in the park or a walk on a trail. It could be someplace like that. It could be a drive in your car. For me, my wife has been very generous to me. I have almost the entire downstairs. That's basically the Tony uh, area. I've got a great uh, office down there. I've got a nice common area down there. I have a wonderful media room. I can go down there and feel very comfortable. We've lived in this home now for almost 14 years, and so it's very comfortable. I feel very good there. And you need a place like that for you. Also important to mention to you is we've all got way too much outside stimulus coming at us. TVs are on, radios are on, music, news, other people are talking to us. And in this time, you need to limit that external stimuli. So I'm not talking about going downstairs and sitting with the TV on or sitting with the radio on. I'm talking about just going someplace and just sitting and allowing your whole being and your mind to rest for a little while and then begin to think. Great ideas and restful energy abundance comes from emptying our head. I call it the brain dump. And also important is that this time needs to be something you do often and repetitive. You can't just do it once. Very often you will find that anything you just do once will not yield a lot of results. There's the story about the guy who said he fed his dog once. Well, what happened to the dog? The dog died because he only fed him once. Or he had goldfish and he only fed him once. Well, what happened? Well, they died. Uh, what happened if you only ate one time and never again? That would have disastrous results. Most things are good when repeated and often so here's the challenge for you and me. First of all, your big challenge is, are you going to commit the time? Because we're all terribly overcommitted. We all say yes to way too much stuff. And then we have competing commitments that stretch this out because we've said yes too much. So the question is, will you schedule the time for yourself each week or each day just to empty your head? Now, working out physically is not the same as what I'm talking about. Working out absorbs energy. It does not necessarily give you energy, does not give you freedom, and does not give you solitude. Yes, you'll get some endorphin flow from it, and you will get some, some benefit from it. And I'm not against working out. It's just that it takes some energy to work out, right? I'm talking about solitude and just being alone, letting your batteries recharge and have your brain freed up so you can do some thinking a tired brain is always going to be one of your biggest pitfalls and one of your biggest issues because it's everybody's as a human being everyone else has worn you out with refocusing your mind redirecting your mind all over the place because you're reacting and responding all the time and you need some time to just free your mind from other people's direction and restriction so how do you do this? Well, here's four tips 
to get you started on this little strategy of taking some time for yourself. Number one, most important, I've already said it, I'll say it again, you've got to schedule the time in advance and do not, do not relent. Book those hours, those days, whatever time you can in advance and treat that time as non-negotiable. You may even have someone you can delegate some stuff to that you would have normally done that you don't need to be doing. So you're doing two great things for yourself. Number one, you're having time for yourself. And you're also, number two, being a better delegator. Remember, you've always done some of these things and you're only doing them because and maybe you need to give them to somebody else to do. See, you're always going to find reasons not to do it if you want to. But I'm stressing to you, this is very important to your overall performance going forward. Number two, do what you want to do within boundaries. Do what you want to do, but within boundaries. So the basic rule is no work, no work files, no customer stuff. No computer work of a work kind, no checking email, and especially no doing what someone else wants you to do. This is your time for you to recharge and free your mind up to do some thinking. You don't have to justify yourself to anybody about this time. This is your time. Number three, let your team help you. Now, I understand if you're a one-man band, you're a solo entrepreneur, then, you know, this ought to be a little easier because you don't have to check with anybody. You don't have to report to anyone. The rest of us, when we're not available, we got to put it on our team to step up. We have to rely on their experience and their good judgment and their decision-making ability. It is one of the absolute best ways for your teammates to grow when you're not around. Number four, it's better for your employees and it's better for your clients. Why is that, you say? Well, internal employees and external customers want you at 100%. When you're serving them, they want the best version of you. And that best version has energy and clarity. This goes for other personal relationships you're 100% committed to also. They want the best you that they can get. So you owe it to them to give you the best you. And one of the ways you can do that is take some time for yourself. Now, once you develop the habit of taking this time for yourself, there are other things you can do with the time that we can talk about in future episodes. But for right now, it's important for you to just get in the habit of taking some time for yourself to just be with you and your thoughts. And I'd be interested to hear how that works for you. If you'd like to clue me in, you can send us an email, info, I-N-F-O, at clearvisiondevelopment.com. If you have a question uh, about something we've done on the show or you just have a leadership or business question, that is one of the best ways to reach us. Or you can do it on Twitter, I'm at Tony Richards 4, and you can uh, tag your question with hashtag better than before. That's our show this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'd love to have your feedback. We'd love to have your subscription and your five-star rating if you wouldn't mind. Thank you, please. Sponsored by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. 
I'll see you next time on our podcast, Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards reminding you, everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.